0: The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. As I wrap up this series this week, How to Be Rich, I want to give you a, a principle. One principle that's going to guarantee success in your life. It's going to sound like an infomercial as I get this started. I have one lesson that's going to change your life and will absolutely guarantee success in wherever you apply it. Now, that sounds too good to be true, doesn't it, because you've been hardwired and trained to be cynical when someone makes you a promise like that. But here it is. I'm going to give you a principle, and it's going to change your life, and wherever you apply it, I guarantee you that it will produce rich living. Uh, but let me illustrate it. Uh, this past winter, uh, my girls and I, mostly prompted by me, decided we were gonna learn how to snowboard. Now we've skied uh, over the last many years. We try to go skiing. I mean, when we get a chance, it's rare, but we go out skiing, and, but I've never tried snowboarding. And uh, I, I thought, well, hey, what, what the heck, why not? Let's just try this. I mean, how bad can it be? And you know, like that's a setup for what happens next. And so uh, we spent an entire day on the slopes. I mean, I spent hours and hours on the bunny slope and I fell more times that first day than I think I ever have in my entire life, like on any one particular thing. I mean, I fell over and in fact, I fell so many times so hard uh, and I kept landing like this. Like I would fall forward, you know, you're strapped in, so I'd fall and I kept landing like this. And that's important because I actually broke this rib. Um, I fell so (laughs) many, that's right. So the first day I go snowboarding, I broke my rib. And the next chance we got, I went out and went snowboarding again. And uh, my girls, they actually picked it up a a little bit, not so much faster, but with less injury. And uh, so we went out again and snowboarding and learned a lesson and then, uh, my oldest daughter is learning to drive. <laughs> and uh, she actually, never mind, I was going to tell on her. I'm not going to. Uh, but I, I will tell you, it's a, it's a journey in. in Progress, but in contrast to my oldest daughter who's learning how to drive, my three year old, uh, he constantly is asking me to get into my car. He's like, Daddy, can I get in your Jeep? Can I get in your Jeep? Let me get in the Jeep. And he wants to go and sit in it and he wants to get behind the wheel. And so I let him get in there and uh, I don't give him the keys. But then he's like, All right, let me drive. And, and there's a big difference between how I let Daniel get in the car and how I let my oldest. Rebecca, get in the car and learn how to drive. And there is a lesson behind this. The same lesson that we learned on the ski slopes, learning how to snowboard, the same lesson that applies in my daughter learning successfully how to drive is the same principle that you use when you learn how to live richly. When you learn how to be successful in any area of your life, guaranteed. Here's the challenge. Most of us want to be handed the keys to the car today, and we want to go out and drive today. Most of us want to go on the, well, I don't know if you're crazy like I am, but you want to get on the black diamond slope and navigate it successfully the first time. And you get frustrated and you give up if you can't navigate the black diamond successfully the very first time. If, if your parents don't give you the, the keys to the car and say, sure, go for it, the first Time you get upset and you're wondering why God hasn't given you instantly everything you've wanted right now and said, Here are the keys to a spouse, here are the keys to a career, here are the keys to the promotion, here are the keys to that raise right now, right? Because we live in a culture that's instant everything. Instant replay, instant success, instant access, instant messaging. We want instant success, right? That's why we have speed dating and speed dieting. And we want instant riches. That's why so many people get trapped in gambling and playing the lottery. And you want it too. You want instant everything. And you and I, we get frustrated we don't, when we don't get it right now. When we don't feel good right now, we call that instant gratification. When I, when I want to fulfill my desires and my pleasures right now. And so what's the key? I wanna jump in. I wanna share a, a story with you that Jesus told, but let me put it in context. There was a physician who spent his life profession treating people and he met and saw Jesus. And he began to follow Jesus because Jesus treated people different than he as a physician could. Jesus not only treated the sick and cared for the poor, but he taught in a way that was totally different than what this guy, Luke, was used to. And Luke became not only a follower, but a student of Jesus. And later in life, he sat down and penned the story of the life and teachings of Jesus. In fact, he wrote a part two to that, which was the life of the disciples who followed Jesus, called the Book of Acts. But his narrative of the life and stories and and teachings of Jesus later gets included in what becomes known as the Bible. The Bible is the historical account of how God interacts with man. And in Luke's writing, chapter 12, Jesus is teaching how to live richly, not just to get rich, but how to do good as you get rich, and how to be good at being rich in what matters most, and in this teaching, Jesus is writing, and he Jesus is speaking, and Luke records it. Jesus, and he he writes this: "Truly, I tell you." This is Jesus speaking. Uh, he tells this story, and he says, I will put him in charge of all his possessions. And so, uh, real quick, let me put it in context. Jesus is talking about this guy who, uh, he's talking about a master who puts his, uh, who's getting ready to leave, and he, and he gives his, his possessions, his resources, to one of his servants to oversee. And he says this, um, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions, but suppose that servant says to himself, so he's referring to all of us thinking about what God has entrusted to you. And he he thinks to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming. My master is going away. He's not watching. He's not paying attention to what I'm doing. And he then begins to beat the other servants. He begins to mistreat people, both men and women. And he begins to eat and drink and get drunk. And the Lord answered, who then is this faithful and wise manager whom the master... Uh, puts in charge of his servants to give them their food and allowance at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. And the master of that servant will come at a day when he does not expect him and an hour he is not aware of. And so the key here is this. Jesus is speaking about himself. He said, at some point, I'm going to go away and I'm going to entrust to you what is precious, precious. I'm gonna give you time, talent, and treasure. And everything I entrust to you is precious. Now, what are you gonna do with it? It's not yours to control. You are a servant, a manager. You're a steward of what's been entrusted to you. And he said, some of you are gonna live your lives thinking God's not watching, or you're thinking I got all the time in the world. And some will get caught up in living for the moment in instant gratification. And he said, those are gonna go off, and they're gonna think, ah, I can do whatever I want. I can worry about living for God later. And so they get caught up in eating and drinking and getting drunk and kind of just enjoying themselves. But he said that the master will come at an hour when we don't expect, and it will be good for those that when the master returns, finds them living well. Living richly. And so, how do we get this right? This story is very similar to another teaching Jesus did, another parable. It's captured by another one of Jesus' followers who wrote out the gospel according to Matthew, meaning the good news of the life and teachings of Jesus from the eyewitness lens of a guy named Matthew. And Matthew records another teaching moment of Jesus where he says this, and it's a similar story. And so let me just focus in on that. So the story is this, before I get in and read this passage, uh, Jesus tells a story about another master who's going away. And before he goes, he gives out talent. Now, when, when you think of talent, you think of the ability to sing, or the ability—you know—the skills of becoming a lawyer. I don't know if you want that. Uh, no offense to lawyers, uh, an accountant, somebody with uh, artistic ability, somebody with athletic ability. But in this context, it's very straightforward. A talent was a sum of money. A really big sum of money, equivalent to in modern terms about 1.2 million dollars. And so Jesus tells a story that the master was going away. This clearly very wealthy master, and to one servant he gives five talents, equivalent to about six million dollars. To another servant he gave two talents, about 2.5, 2.4, 2.5 million dollars. And to another servant he gave one talent, right? About 1.2 million dollars. And the goal was here, this is mine, I'm trusting it to you, invest it well. And then here is the story. After a long time, do you get that? You kind of see the pattern in these two stories? For a long time, they're going away, gives you plenty of time for you to kind of get busy and do what you want with your life. After a long time, the master of these servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five bags of gold the five talents brought the brought with him another five. You gave me 6 million, here's 12 million dollars. Woohoo! Look, if I could get that kind of a return on my investment, I would probably uh, feel very similar. The master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold with these five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, very similar to how you would reply, how I would reply. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. Huh? Gave him $6 million. And he says, you have been faithful with a few little things. I will put you in charge of many things, or I will put you in charge of a ton, of a lot of things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with the two bags of gold also came master. He said, you entrusted me with two bags, two talents. See, I have gained two more. You gave me 2.5 million. Here's 2.5 million and 2.5 million more. Here's $5 million. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. There you go. There's a story, right? You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. And tucked in this story, there's a lesson on how you can be successful in every area of your life, how you can succeed and live richly, how you can have a rich life and finish well. And here is the key. Listen carefully. There is a a nugget. I mean, Jesus is doing the teaching, so we don't have to oversell this. He's teaching you and me how to live richly. And the principle under the surface is this. I wanna encourage you to write this down. Private roots precede public fruit. Living richly in private is going to precede living richly in public. Doing the right thing in private is going to precede doing great things in public. Private roots precede public fruit. A principle that I would give you right under the surface, it comes right off the pages of what I read to you, is being good and faithful will produce a fruitful life and fruitful is code for successful and rich living. But we won't live richly. We don't live richly because our very attempt to be successful will sabotage rich living and we will never begin to do do and be rich and be good at being rich, why? Because our very instinct will sabotage what it means to be truly successful. Our instinct drives us to be selfish and impatient. We want it right now. And we hurry up and we cut corners and we cheat to get what we want. We sabotage what it means to be truly successful because selfishness drives us to get what we can right now and to make ourselves feel rich. What sabotages us is a deep spiritual corruption called sin. At the core of what is driving every one of us is this thing called sin. Sin stirs desires like selfishness like self-seeking pleasure and it pushes us to do the very things that we think will make us feel rich and feel successful but those very things are sabotaging us sabotaging what is best sabotaging what it means to be good at being rich in what matters most. Sin not only corrupts us, sin not only wrecks us by driving selfishness in our lives, sabotaging what is best, sin leads toward not only a life of ruin, but an eternity of ruin, where we face judgment forever as the consequence for being driven by a life of sin. But God was unwilling to leave us on a life course driven by sin. God loves you so much that he intervened in your story when you didn't even know you needed it. When you and I were being driven by sin, God stepped in between us and certain ruin to rescue us from ourselves and the sin that is sabotaging our lives. How? Jesus Christ not only came to teach great things and to live a great life and to be a good man and a good teacher. Jesus came as God in human form to take the very judgment you deserve and I deserve on himself. Jesus came to absorb our eternal judgment so that when he died on the cross, he died in our place, absorbing our judgment, absorbing our sin, our shame, our guilt, so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven of sin and given new life, a new beginning. When you believe in Jesus by faith, God's Spirit, which was separated from us because of sin... When we believe in Jesus by faith, God's spirit comes and he enters into our spirit. He's not entering into your emotions or your mind. He's entering into your spirit. But when God's spirit enters into your spirit, that invisible eternal part of who you are, he begins to change you from the spirit out. He does begin to change your emotions. He does begin to change how you think. He does even begin to change every aspect of your life, your relationships, how you speak, how you interact with others. So here's the deal. He begins to change what otherwise was sin, driving us in selfishness toward what we thought was successful living, but actually was sabotaging us. He changes us so that now his spirit is guiding us toward what, is, what it means to live richly. And so now let's jump back in to that one principle. The, here it is. Here's the key, right? When Jesus is speaking in his story, he says that these two servants came to him. They said, you entrusted us with five talents. You entrusted us with two talents. And we doubled your investment. Hey, if if anybody who invests money, anybody who's got a retirement account, anybody who's doing anything where you're hoping to get a return, if it doubled for you, you're pretty excited about that. I mean, if if you were gone for a year and you you haven't opened your, uh, your retirement account and now the whole thing has doubled, you're pretty excited. And here is what the master says to them. Well done, good and faithful servant. And there's the key. In fact, can you all do me a favor? Uh, you're, you're watching at one of our campuses. You're joining us at our Wilson campus. You're joining us on Classic at cinemas. I just want you to read this with me. Ready? Well done, good and faithful servant. He says that twice. Well done, good and faithful servant. And so the key here, I'm going to give you two, a couple complementary complimentary ideas that go hand in hand on how you, how private roots precede public fruit. The first one is this, be good before doing good. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. The first key here is to be good before doing good, which means it's more about character than production. It's more about who you are than what you're doing. So being good is being a person of character. Doing good is doing the right thing. Now let's talk about doing good. It means, am I doing the right thing regardless of the outcome? Am I willing to do the right works? Am I willing to do uh, act in a right way regardless of the results I get? Some of us, we grow frustrated and weary and we wanna give up because we're doing good things and we're being the right kind of person, but we get frustrated when we don't see the kind of results we want. Be good, which means grow deep character. Now listen carefully. What God wants to do in your life is bigger than you can ever imagine. God wants to do more in and through your life than your character can sustain. What God wants to build on the foundation of your life is greater than your foundation can handle. And so God is withholding his best, his blessings of abundance and rich living on your life. Because if he prospered your life, the success he would pour into you would destroy you. Did you catch that? So God graciously withholds success because if you truly wanna test a person's character, it's not failure or defeat that will test them, but success. And so you and I have to commit to being good regardless of the outcome. That means doing right things because they're the right thing and becoming a person of character, becoming more like Jesus, being obedient to God's word, spending time in God's presence and allowing God's spirit to transform me so that as his spirit works in my life, I am becoming the person God has designed and created me to become. You want an equation? Purity plus humility will equal destiny. Meaning if you want to maximize God, God's potential in your life, then you have to grow into purity, pure heart, pure motives, and humility. Not thinking more of yourself than you should. Recognizing who it is that's blessing and prospering your life. That is God. Purity plus humility will equal destiny and will maximize God's potential on your life. You know what will sabotage being good and doing good? Give you a little hint. The story is of the servant who was given one talent, who was entrusted with $1.2 million. The story goes like this. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Be careful what you bury. What you bury becomes a seed. And what this man buried was pride and jealousy. Competition and comparison. He wasn't entrusted with two. He wasn't entrusted with five. He was entrusted with one. And so he goes and he buries what God, what, what, the, what the master had entrusted to him. Everything you bury will produce a harvest. For this man, he buried his time, talent, and treasure. Be careful what you bury, because I guarantee you it will produce a harvest. When you bury good things, meaning when you plant good seed of doing good and being good, when you plant seeds of character, you're guaranteed that those seeds of good character will produce a harvest of goodness. When you plant seeds of pride and jealousy, they grow up, and they metastasize. So my challenge to you is plant good seeds and uproot bad seeds. Be careful that what is growing and being planted and buried in hidden places is the right thing. This man, driven by comparison, I don't have what they have, and so I'm not gonna work harder than they work. Competition, I want what they have, and I'm gonna work to get what they have. This man buried poor character, he buried laziness, he buried pride and jealousy, and he reaped a harvest of what laziness and pride and jealousy and competition and comparison produces. Be good, and be good before doing good, and then let's jump back to that little verse again. Here it is, because this is the insight, right? Well done, good and faithful servant. The second part or the second key is this, not just being good before doing good, but do good long enough, right? So it's not just, I'm going to do good right now because I want instant results. If you plant a seed, you can't say, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. You do good long enough. So the key here is this, how long does it take? No, no, the question's not, How long does it take? It's do good as long as it takes. Pray as long as it takes. Be faithful as long as it takes. Honor God as long as it takes. Meaning keep going. Don't give up. Stay the course. Do the right things long enough. Be a person of character long enough. My challenge for you is this. Being faithful means I am willing to do the right thing and become the right kind of person, regardless of when or even if the results I want are produced. Look, I I love, I, I enjoyed snowboarding, even though it cost me a broken rib, but there are some things in life that are more precious than snowboarding. And I don't care if they produce injury. I'm gonna work at them and work at them and work at them and work at them because they're the right things. And doing the right things regardless of the outcome is right. And so you keep going and you keep living rightly regardless of the results. And the guarantee is eventually being good and doing good long enough will produce good results. But you wanna know you what sabotages faithfulness? Check out this guy with the one talent. Here's what he says when the master comes. Then the man who had received one bag of gold, 1.2 million dollars, came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out, and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. This man, driven by fear, buries what he was responsible to work hard at. He was a servant. He was on the payroll. You know what his attitude is? I can be lazy I am not willing to work for what I have not been. If I I want more, I'm I'm gonna wait till you give me more for me to work harder. So he's lazy. He's unfair. He expects results without doing any work. He buries his responsibility and then comes back and transfers his character flaws onto the master. Listen to me carefully. Don't let what's wrong in your life what's wrong around you, rob you of recognizing what is right with God. God is not using you. God will not abuse you. God is good and God is more than fair. Fair means you get what you deserve, but God not only doesn't give you what you deserve, judgment, he gives you more than you do deserve, his grace, time, talent, treasure. God pours blessing and riches into our life. God is so good and so faithful. And so our responsibility is by faith to be faithful and not transfer our attitudes and our character flaws onto God, but trust God that he is good always. Now here is the key. How does this story conclude? The mass, Jesus is telling the story and he says this to them, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's This is how God wants to respond to each one of our lives. The key is this, being good and faithful will make us fruitful. And fruitful is code, as I said, for rich living, for success. Being good and being faithful, doing the right things long enough will produce successful rich living. Here is the deal, if you're willing to do the right things and grow in character, becoming the right person, and you're willing for your faith to make you faithful. God will entrust you with much. The little, you don't know what the little moments God has already given you. You don't know what little moments matter a lot. Don't ignore those little seed moments. Don't ignore a conversation with a clerk at the the checkout line. Don't ignore a phone call with a receptionist or a person on the other line that, that you think is of little consequence. Little moments matter a lot in the economy of God. The reward for hard work is more work. Because we recognize that we are servants of God. My goal in this life is not to get rich so that I can relax, kick back, and live a lazy life. My goal is never to bury or hide my responsibilities in this lifetime, but to give my life to the maximum so that I can look ahead to the next life. I am not earning eternity, but I am being good and faithful so that my life matters for eternity. Here's how God works. God entrusts extraordinary time, talent, and treasure into ordinary people so that he can do an extraordinary work. You wanna know why we should maximize our life impact? There's this other little verse tucked away in another gospel, the gospel according to John, where he writes this in John chapter 15, verse eight. This is to my Father's glory, Jesus is saying, that you bear much, fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus is saying God's desire, it's God shows off in your life when your life produces the riches of God's love, of God's faithfulness, of God's joy. When your life reveals the riches of God, you show God off and you show that you are a student a follower of Jesus. Look, my greatest hope, my greatest desire is that every one of us lives richly and is good at being rich in what matters most. How? By making sure that private roots precede public fruit. By being good before doing good. By doing good long enough. And finally, by recognizing that doing good long enough will make us fruitful in what matters most. In what way in your life has sin sabotaged God's best? For some of you, you're looking at your life and you see some things that you've buried, seeds that you've planted that are producing fruit that you do not want. This is a great moment to confess that to God and say, God, forgive me and root that out of me For others of you, you're ready to say, Jesus, would you uproot the sin in my life? I want you to come into my life, transform me and give me a new beginning. And then finally, I would imagine that there are many of you, you believe in Jesus by faith, but your life is not being lived richly. And it's time for you to become good and faithful as a servant. What's that one commitment you can make right now? Here's how I would challenge you. Would you pause? Would you pray? Would you make a commitment to Jesus? Would you make a commitment to being good before doing good? And would you make a commitment to doing good long enough? Finally, would you allow God to produce his fruit in your life? God's spirit is here. God's spirit wants to speak to your spirit. So I'm gonna invite you to pause and pray and just simply allow God's spirit to speak to your spirit right now. Would you do that? Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.